0: That was the resort back then. And uh, I remember meeting this guy named Walt, who was uh, sort of balding at the time. (laughs) And he said he was pastor at a church in Rockland. Now, I came to this conference 21 years ago. And let's see, Walt, where are you pastoring still? (laughs) Rockland. Praise the Lord. God is good. God is good, and uh, I am glad to be here. Today is a significant and I suppose an emotional day for me, because in just a few weeks, I will be moving into that land of uh, the shadow of something called retirement. (laughs) Retirement. I think I will slip that bottle of water in there. So today is actually the last Sabbath that I will be preaching at a Sabbath morning church service. And uh, after uh, 41 years of doing this, you know, it's, uh, it's an interesting dynamic for me. And I, I thank Walt for setting this up. And Walt, I, I want to get back to this. Walt is a friend. Only friends can start texting you stuff, usually just a picture, and you know immediately what it's all about, because we're grandfathers. And so, randomly, my cell phone will go off, and there will be a picture of some cute little child, and it's from Walt, and I go, okay, which one is this, Walt? Um, it's it's a wonderful thing no explanation sometimes there is some cute little caption uh occasionally he will get one of those from me but i have a limited supply because i only have one grandchild we only have one grandchild and uh, he will know who that is and so we'll we'll play this little game back and forth and i anticipate that may continue as uh, time marches on but again today i I thought long and hard, not that I don't think long and hard on other Sabbaths, but <laughs> I thought long and hard about what should I preach about? Oh, can I, can I do that? Yes. All right. Can you hear me a little better? Yes. Okay. Good deal. I thought long and hard about what do I preach for this Sabbath? Now, usually I can look at a congregation. I know enough about a congregation that I can select a sermon that would be appropriate. Today, I looked at the sermons that I have in my file, and I I have quite a few. And if I'm honest, my wife has heard most of those more times than any of us want to count And she could probably get up here and preach one of those sermons to you and not miss a beat because she has heard them so many times. But I will be honest, today's sermon is more for my benefit than for yours. Are you okay with that? Today's sermon is a message that if I were to have a message as sort of a, a last, a transitional message what would it be? And the message is about pressing on, pressing on with Jesus. Philippians, Paul has uh, wonderful things to say, but in Philippians chapter three, we find this, beginning in verse 12, not that I have already attained it, or I have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, sisters, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind me, reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. And that's what I want for me. That's what I want for you to press on toward what God has already promised is available to us all. And these, these verses give Paul's challenge to the church at Philippi. It was a challenge for his own life as well. And I think you'll notice that it all centers around Jesus, of pressing on toward that future goal, that future prize, that that prize that is out there, of leaving behind the past, not forgetting the lessons of the past, but moving beyond maybe some failures, maybe some mistakes, maybe some pain. And reaching forward to what lies ahead because the prize is not just in a box that you unwrap at Christmas time. That prize is the person of Jesus. That prize is the eternity that Jesus himself has offered to press on. And that is the essence of the message today in three parts. Three points I would like to make. The first is to press on with life. Paul, in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, a verse that I'm sure you're very familiar with, says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I think you recognize by now, if you've been around Christianity for very long, that Christianity is a different kind of life than what most people experience without Jesus. The old ways are gone, interests are changed, there is something new, something better has taken its place, and that difference is summarized, again, in a person. It's not just a list of doctrines, it's not a list of theological points, it's not arguments that we have pointing out the differences we have with one another the difference of Christianity is summarized in Jesus and what he brings to our lives. And just as Jesus was crucified and now lives, so do we, and that's the point of this verse. And too often I, am not going to point a finger at you, but too often I have focused this passage as I've read it on the end of it. I focus on faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. And what a beautiful message that is. But I forget the half of the verse that goes before. And notice how many times a, a particular word or form of a word is used. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith. I live by faith in the Son of God. And that really is where I see Jesus reminding us that he has called us to press on with life. The whole essence of what Jesus wants for you is to live, not just now. But eternally. You remember, I'm sure, that verse in John 10 verse 10. I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So often we and others think Christianity, once you become a Christian, everything is just dull because, you know, you have to be good. You got to live like the Bible says you must live. But that's not what Jesus had in mind. He wants us to live. He wants us to enjoy life. He wants us to live as he intended life to be, and that is a fulfilled life, an unselfish life, a giving life, a life that actually has a goal in mind beyond just oh how many more days till I retire, or how many more days until this is over, or how many more days till I take that vacation. He wants us to have a goal in mind, and that goal is lived by faith. That goal is Jesus as he offers eternal life for us. And that life is not just lived for the future. There is also life here and now. Life continues on. It means we experience a relationship with people here in our community of faith, but also within our greater community. It means we live in the small things as well as living in the large details that we get involved in, like building projects and, and other things. Someone humorously observed uh, and pointed out that Christians can be found in different ways or you can be seen in different ways. For instance, some Christians are like wheelbarrows. They're no good until you push them. Some Christians are like kites. If you don't keep a string on them, they fly away. Some are like kittens, which my grandson would love. They're more contented when petted. Some Christians are like a football. You can't tell which way they're going to bounce next. Some are like balloons full of wind and ready to blow up. Some are like trailers. They have to be pulled. Some are like lights. They keep going on and off. Some are like drinking fountains. They keep being filled and keep on giving. When Jesus says for us to live... I believe he's talking about real living as it is found in giving of yourself. As Jesus said in Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given to you. And we're not just talking about the offering time. That's when we usually drag out this verse. Give and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaking together and running over. The more you give of yourself in life, the more you are going to receive. The more Jesus has room to fill you up again. So keep active. Keep active. Keep pressing on with life, with living. Keep active, keep working, but always in the sphere of God's life, now living in you. Press on with life. Number two, press on with love. Perhaps the the greatest and simplest summary of all of Jesus' teaching is that one word, love and no one captures that description of love better than his youngest disciple John he talks about love more than any of the other bible writers both in his gospel and the little letters that he wrote of how we are to live to live out the love that god gave to us in first john the first of those little letters at the back of the new testament first john chapter 4 beginning in verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, because God is love. And by this, the love of God was shown, manifested in us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. Love and life are connected. It's love that is at the center of who we are as Christians. It is love that cements and binds us together. It was love that brought Jesus here so that we, in turn, might live it is love that brings all of us closer together, at least it should be. As not only you look around the pews, the chairs beside you, but the community again at large. How is that possible? Because he puts his love in us. We keep reading in verse 10. In this is love. This whole idea of what Jesus has done. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us, And he sent his son to be that big $12 theological word propitiation, that exchange for us, for our sins. Beloved, if God so loves us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, he lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. It's because he loved us that we can know how to love others, not just romantic love, but how do we care for each other? How do we respect each other? How do we acknowledge and get along with those around us? Because if we are truly lovers of God, then we will be lovers of those around us, lovers as God himself is. And it's shown in our actions. And Jesus talked about love and action many times in the Gospels one of the most striking is that long passage in Matthew 25 we're not going to go through it now but where Jesus said that his followers his disciples his people his children those who love him will be doing things like feeding the hungry clothing the naked visiting those in prison doing things that are going to be of help to someone else and They are things that we do not because we're checking them off a list, but because that's what you do when the love of God is in you. That's how you show your love. Others are watching. As you let God's love in you guide the way you live, people will see whether or not you live the kind of love that God wants you to have. From your history lessons, you may recall the great missionary and explorer to Africa by the name of Livingston, David Livingston. David Livingston had been around Africa for years and basically had disappeared for something like four years. It was in the days before you had Instagram and Facebook and you could just tag yourself and check in and say, well, I'm in this town and I'm in that place and, you know, I'm doing this and doing that. People had to depend on some old-fashioned kind of communication called letters or you actually had to see someone doing what you do. And the world's attention was beginning to be concerned because this great explorer, this great missionary hadn't been heard of for years Well, there was a newspaper in New York City that was losing circulation. They were losing subscribers. They were losing people to buy their newspaper. And the editor thought, I need a hook. I need something to get people to start buying our newspaper again. And one of the things that people were talking about is, where's Davis Livingston? So he said, what if we send somebody over? to hunt for David Livingston. He can send back reports. He can send back letters. You know, he didn't have telephones, but he could find a way to get word back, and people will follow this in our newspaper, and it's going to increase our subscriptions. It's going to increase readership. So that's what they did, 1871. guy by the name of Stanley, last name of Stanley, worked for this New York newspaper, but actually was originally from England. He went looking. Sending back reports took him months, and you recall the famous phrase when he found him, Dr. Livingston, I presume. And there was David Livingston out in the middle of Africa doing what he did. Stanley stayed with him, just following him and observing him. And when he returned sometime later back to his home base, he wrote this. I went to Africa, as prejudiced as the biggest atheist in London. But there came for me a long time of reflection. I saw this solitary old man there and asked myself, how on earth does he stop here? Is he cracked or what? What is it that inspires him? For months after we met, I found myself wondering at the old man carrying out all that was said in the Bible, leave all things and follow me. But little by little, his sympathy for others became contagious. My sympathy was aroused. Seeing his piety, his gentleness, his love, his earnestness, and how he went about his business, I was converted by him, although he had not tried to do it at all. People are watching as you live out God's love in you. So when Paul says to press on, I believe he's meaning to press on not only living, but also press on loving, to let your life your life of love, touch others, to be open and accepting of, yes, your fellow believers, your church members, but also your neighbors, the people around you, to help wherever it is that you are needed without thinking only about yourself or your own convenience, to be willing to sacrifice of yourself so that someone else might benefit, to share the load of what happens in this church and ministry, So that more can be done. But again, always in the sphere of God's life and God's love living in you. Press on with love. Number three. It all boils down to this. Press on with Jesus. Press on with Jesus. Life with Jesus should be the most precious thing in the world for you. Life with Jesus should be it all. To have it, to hold it, to hold on to it should be the most important goal of your life. Back to Philippians, where we find and read earlier, but if we go back a few verses in Philippians chapter 3, he starts this off by saying in verse 7, but whatever things were gain to me, those things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and count them but rubbish, so that I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, derived, taken from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know him, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Knowing Jesus, as Paul describes in many places, Knowing Jesus is a lifetime activity. It doesn't just happen once. It doesn't happen in an instant. It doesn't happen just because you took a class. It isn't so difficult that no one can ever experience it. Instead, it is an ongoing ongoing experience of life. Something amazing that he would actually think to make it available, not just to one or two people, but to all of us. And what he did for all of us is something more than we can begin to even comprehend. I used a story in my final article in the recorder that some of you get, the Pacific Union Recorder, about a little boy here in California a number of years ago that was playing with a friend, and they were out in a field, and the little boy fell down a shaft, an abandoned mine shaft that nobody knew was there. His friend that he was playing with, of course, ran to get help, Uh, get the adults, and people came. They tried to figure out how to get this little boy out, but there was just no way that it seemed to be happening. The media was there. Everybody was focused on this little boy stuck in this mine shaft. They brought in heavy equipment, but if they started digging where the boy was, he'd suffocate. They had to find another way around him. So the heavy equipment that was brought in began digging an alternate tunnel, an alternate way in. Tons of dirt literally was moved and that alternate passageway was dug. And after two days and nights of digging, they finally got to the little boy and he was rescued. And amazingly, he was in pretty good shape after being stuck, without any food or water much at all for two days. Amazing, he was just hungry and a little bit dirty. They took him to the hospital, looked him over, sent him home. A Few days later, As he was recovered enough emotionally and physically, he asked his daddy to take him back to the place where he had been stuck. He wanted to see it. Everything was pretty much still there. The equipment except was gone, but everything else was pretty much the way it was. And he was overwhelmed to see this giant mountain of dirt that had moved in an attempt to rescue him. And as he surveyed it, he looked at his daddy and said, Daddy, do you mean they did all of that for me? When we look at Jesus and we look at Calvary, how can we not express, Jesus, you did that for me. You did all of that for me. And that is the amazing thing about Jesus and Christianity, that he did it. Not just a historical fact, not just for some one person that may have been good enough in Jesus' sight, but he did it for all of us. Pressing on with Jesus means, yes, living in Jesus, loving in Jesus, but living actually with Jesus. Romans 8 says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. It means your life is so wrapped up in his, and in reality, you're merely living out the life of Jesus. It means that the two of you, as you walk so closely together, people are going to have a hard time telling you apart. Because you're walking with and in Jesus. Press on with Jesus means you're living in him, because you experience life now in its abundance. You experience his love now in its fullness. And you will have life to come, not just now, but life to come in Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here in Philippians 3, beginning in verse 12. Not that I've already attained all that stuff that he's been talking about. Not that I've already obtained it, or I've already become perfect. But I press on, so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Reaching forward to whatever lies ahead. Pressing on toward that goal for the prize of that call that Jesus is giving to us. That upward call, that eternal call of pressing on toward the goal. Not just goals here, but goals for all eternity. There is something out there. There is more to life than just what we see here and now. And he says you can have it if you keep your focus solely on Jesus. One of my favorite stories is about Leonardo da Vinci, the great artist, who was commissioned by the Duke of Milan in the year 1495 to recreate that biblical description, that biblical experience of Jesus with his disciples at the Last Supper. And you can go see that creation today if you ever get over to Milan. Leonardo began his work meticulously working for three years on what we now call a masterpiece. And when it was finished, before he allowed his patron who had hired him to do the work, before he would allow him or anybody else to see it, he called one of his close friends who he knew would be honest with him and who would tell him exactly what he thought. He called him in to take a look. And as his friend looked at the unveiling of this this painting on the wall there of that chapel, words began to flow out, it's just wonderful, it's beautiful, it's magnificent. But he began focusing, as uh, the story is told, he began focusing on the beauty not of Jesus there in the middle or of his disciples clumped in those groups of threes or Jesus' hands outstretched, whatever. He, he was focused on the fact that Jesus was holding a cup in one of his hands, a silver cup encrusted with jewels. And he kept saying, I, I can't take my eyes off that cup. I don't know what you did, but you have made it so realistic I could just reach out and grab that cup and all of its beauty. And as the story goes, Leonardo grabbed a paintbrush and obliterated the cup, saying nothing should detract from the person of Jesus. Paul says, press on. Press on toward the goal for the prize of that upward call. And the message I have for me And the message I have for you is just this. Don't take your eyes off Jesus. Do not take your eyes off Jesus. Press on toward him. Don't give up. Press on with him. Allow him to walk with you. Press on with life. Press on with love as it is found only in Jesus himself. And one day soon that heavenly prize is going to be yours, it will be mine, and we'll be able to share in that prize together, as together we meet in his heavenly land to experience all the great new beginnings that he has in store for us. Would you pray with me? father in heaven what a joy it is to be in your presence how thankful we are to not just know about you and your love to not just know about jesus but to know you personally through your son jesus paul said it so well to press on to press on with life to press on with love But we can't have life, we can't experience life, we can't have love, we can't experience love without having Jesus. May Jesus be at the heart and center of everything we do. May Jesus be the goal, not just for each moment of the day, but pressing on toward the goal that Jesus has for us of spending eternity together. I'm grateful for that. I commend that. I commend Jesus to all who are here. And if you have not yet made that commitment, don't let this day end without doing so. Jesus is the heart of it all, and Jesus is calling each of us. In his name, amen.